Murdersdorf is our strategy guide and guru for this episode. Strategy, that's what we talk about. If you're a college student, recent grad, or in the middle of your career looking to learn more about strategy, maybe break into strategy, keep on listening. Kelly talks us through her journey from account management to VCU brand center to strategist. She tells us stories and lessons, and we speak practically on how to expedite the process so you're not wasting your time or your money. Her first job was at TBWA Shiat Day in Los Angeles, and she's worked at agencies large and small, including Crispin Porter and Bogusky, McDonald's, Bailey Lowerman, McKinney, and Deutsch. She's even worked on a Super Bowl campaign, which we love to talk about. She's so good right now that she works for herself, and she is the strategy lead at Denver Ad School, the industry's up-and-coming creative powerhouse dojo. Everybody's talking about it. Go check out our last episode with the founders. But we go through it all this episode. Kelly is amazing. Uh, to follow her and connect with her and become the ultimate strategist and see her recommended resources, go to our Instagram, Entering Ad. Once again, Entering Ad. And now this is the Breaking and Entering Advertising Podcast. And as usual, I'm your accomplice, Gino Schellenberg. Kick it, Mikey. Welcome to the Breaking and Entering Advertising Podcast. We... I am super excited. Mikey's been excited. Buchin, my our creative director, he's been excited about this episode. Kelly, you're like an all-star, uh, legendary strategist in the industry. Is that fair or is that too much? I've never been called legend, but I will take it and uh, introduce myself that way from now on. There you go. Well, yeah, yeah, you should. That'd be interesting if somebody was like, yeah, I'm a, I'm, I'm a legend. Yeah. They said that that would that'd be interesting. You do what? Where are you working now? Tell the people, which is interesting. You, you caught my attention. We were talking about before. What recent change has been made in your life? Yeah, so I work for myself now. I what you said is accurate. I worked for a lot of big agencies in Los Angeles for a while and strategists and strategy um and then took some some turns and corners and worked for a media tech startup and opened um, an office for an agency out of omaha in los angeles uh, made it to colorado to work for crispin and then um, started working for myself at the end of 2019. Um, so now i still freelance for crispin but i also freelance for um, a lot of different agencies and, and clients and on um, a variety of brands interesting Interesting, because a lot of the guests that we have on are mid entry to mid level, uh, like agency folk, mm-hmm. whether they're mainly either account or on the creative side. You're our first legendary strategist, let's say that, uh, who is working for yourself. What what is that like? What what's the day in the life of a freelance strategist? Yeah, well, just like an advertising life when you're on multiple accounts um, and just across the trajectory of an advertising um, project, uh, it totally varies. Um, But right now, um, with me working on uh, Fruit of the Loom at Crispin, um, we're working on a whole new rebranding campaign for them. So you probably 
most people can't say anything about Fruit of the Loom other than the fruit guys or my dad's tidy whities things like that. So um, we're really trying to establish a strong point of view and sort of brand refresh for them. Um, so that's what I'm working on. I'm also, um, I do some work with uh, the innovation divisions of um, some companies like Purina and Ocean Spray. So I work with them on um, concepts, product concepts that they have for five to 10 years out. And we do a lot of consumer um, consumer research and testing to get consumer feedback on those ideas to shape them and make them better. Um, wow. So what are you working on now? Any secret uh, products that you could spill to our audience? We, there, are not that many, there are not that many listeners out there. We won't tell. You got anything? Any? Yeah, Purina has a really strong legal team and I'm under NDA, but I can tell you it has something to do with dogs and their DNA. Wow. Interesting. Piece that together. If you're a listener, reach out and let's see, maybe if we guess it, you can tell us. I don't think that's how NDAs work, but that'd be, that's, you caught, you caught my attention. So I'm sure you caught some others. Awesome. So product development, research and development for products five, five to 10 years from now. So you're thinking future, how does that have to deal with strategy and be, you know, being a legendary strategist? Yeah, it's interesting. So um, the bread and butter of strategy, um, it start, the process starts in research where you're learning everything you can about your client, your consumer, your culture, um, and the competitive set of your client. Mm -hmm. um, then you're taking these, this, you know, these tons and tons of information, um, distilling that into what are called insights. Um, and then that becomes the foundation of the creative brief. So in strategy, our most famous deliverable is the creative brief. And that's what art direction, copywriting teams go, um, and concept off of. Uh, and from there, we kind of serve as a sounding board to creative ideas, provide fodder, help inspire, um, the evolution of ideas. And then in large part, help sell those ideas into clients. Um, and then we also touch uh, sort of measurement and optimization strategy. So once a campaign is live, how are we going to track if it's actually effective? Um, and then how do we update and optimize the creative uh, to make it perform even, even better? Um, so that's kind of strategy in a nutshell. But because um, that within an agency, the process starts with research, that's how I've been hired to do kind of different types of consumer research. So, uh, yes. Yeah. Now, are you digging in your own research? Are you, you have to be familiar with some, some different tools, I'm sure. What are you proficient in and what do you recommend students get a, get a good understanding at? Comscore was one I personally used. Hated Comscore. Don't like Comscore. Am I, am I doomed for a strategy in the future? Cause I don't like Comscore. Tell me please. I actually, I've never used Comscore. Maybe we had, like in advertising agencies, we have syndicated resources. So like you pay for a subscription, probably. It sounds like Comscore might be like that. With the school, um, yeah, that's what our school probably bought into. Cool, yeah. There's, um, what we use a lot is Mintel, which just kind of gives you an overview of an industry, what's happening in the auto industry, shopping in it. Um, Simmons data, um, Nielsen Simmons data is a syndicated source that gives you quantitative data. Um, but in strategy, really, like 
your most meaningful and original insights and briefs are going to come from primary research. So actually going out, talking to people, doing ethnographic research where you're spending a day in their life, looking at how, you know, following them as they shop for salad dressing, for example, and really starting to um, get to know them on you know, a really authentic and genuine level. And you start to learn about their attitudes and values and things like that. And the reason that's important is most agencies have access to those syndicated third-party um, sources. So yeah. they all have the same information. So the way to get to kind of original thinking and truly creative campaigns, um, you know, a good start is to, to, to actually talk to people, real people. Yeah. That primary research is super important, whether that's uh, like an in-depth interview, a focus group. I think we've, what else do we learn? Yeah. Uh, uh, observational studies, like you said, walking into a grocery store and staying there for like two hours in the walking around, taking notes or mental notes that that's probably where that creativity comes from. Like you said, that's so interesting. Uh, what is like an insight in your career that you're super proud of that, that led to some super creative work? Yeah. Okay. So this is back on Fruit of the Loom. Um, and we designed, so it was selling Fruit of the Loom at the holidays um, during yeah, Christmas Hanukkah that season. Um, and who run was, me through the process, run me through like, what were you thinking? Like I'm in the creative room with you. So go ahead. Yeah. You know, so we, we got the brief, we need to sell underwear, Fruit of the Loom underwear for Christmas. Sure. Um and who wants to receive Fruit of the Loom underwear as a as a gift, like a big holiday gift? Um, it's, it's okay. A challenge. Um, so we designed. You know, you could call it a focus group, but the way we designed it um, was as a white elephant gift exchange. So we mm -hmm. had Fruit of the Loom underwear as a gift. We had other really common gifts like candles, a bottle of liquor. Um, a picture frame, a calendar, things like that. And what we wanted to see in that white elephant dynamic is when someone received the underwear, you know, first of all, what's their reaction? Like, yeah. Ugh, why did I get this or, or, or not? Um, and then like, how fast does it get traded and for what? Like kind of where does it rank? Oh, that's so smart. Yep. It was cool, yeah. So what'd you find out? So what we found out was very surprising. Um, what came out was a discussion around um, just bad gifts overall. And like when you're, when they're well-intentioned, but like your grandmother gives you an ugly cat sweater or like okay. everybody kind of shared the worst gift they've ever gotten. Like somebody got a bag of like used pens from his grandmother, oh, okay. for example. Or like Very your mom's on vacation and brings back a piece of jewelry that's expensive, but like not your style. Sure. And the insight was around um, bad gift guilt. So you get these gifts and the emotion is you feel guilty. Like, what do I, do I have to wear this? Like, do I throw it away? Do I take it to Goodwill? Like it was, it's from someone special, but mm -hmm. you know, um, uh, I feel, I don't know what to do with this and I feel bad about it. Um, so that became pivotal for the campaign where um, Fruit of the Loom underwear, like everybody was like, no, I'd be fine. I'd be fine getting Fruit of the Loom underwear because at least it's something I can use. If it's, um, yeah, fresh, you know, it's, yeah. Yeah. So it was sort of like the, the brief became um, a brief yeah, about bad gift guilt. Like no, this is a no brainer, stick it under the tree, stick it in the stocking and 
um, you don't have to worry about. So there was no, so the, so the, you uncovered that there is no bad, uh, the gift guilt to clean clothes. Like what, what, like you don't have to worry about that with fruit of the loom. There's no guilt with utility gifts. Like as long ah, as you use it. I can use this. Hey, like this isn't going to go to waste. Yep. I like that. So the and then the one of the ideas we didn't produce it, but it was around um, how many how many bad gifts we'd save from the landfill if more people gave fruit of the loom underwear and just used like the no the no brainer of a gift. Yeah. Yep. That's smart. I could see that coming on to some creative executions, as well. Same same thought process you might have even came up with. I'm sure you did. Was you would reduce regifting. Yes, totally. Yeah, because that's a thing. Can't give those can't give used underwear. Re, right. I, I got an uncle that regifts in within the same side of the family. I, <laughs> he doesn't even forget who he got it from, and he put it back. He puts it back in the same white elephant every year. That's so funny. Yeah, maybe it's a, a intentional, but it's pretty funny. It's like, oh, <laughs> we got the scraper again. It's like a heated car scraper that is like those old cigarette lighters that nobody has a use for. But uh, everybody just like groan. Yeah. Very cool, though. Very cool. And I like the idea that you guys set up a realistic environment where you can get genuine reaction. Because sometimes when you set up these focus groups or, you know, these experiments, they're not they're not accurate because they're not. They're not based, you know, off truth and you're not creating a human environment. And that's a very human friendly environment that Yankee swap white elephant exchange yeah you're so right that's a good insight yeah when you have simulated environments you're mm -hmm. gonna get kind of calculated potentially responses there was a the truth lies in advertising book Have you ever heard of that one mm -hmm. i think that was that book they they would for the focus group they would send the uh the focus group members like the product to use for a week before so they actually got to exchange with it and yeah cool use that that but anyways so that's awesome let's get back now to like let's bring it back to how you got into advertising how did you break in a you I, you you for you mentioned you graduated and then you did a, an account stint and then went back to vcu brand centers tell us that's about that and how you got into strategy because we're all dying to know I think that's what people learn in college is how, like how to be a strategist. And then you don't start off being a strategist. So you did it. You're a legend. How do we get there? Yeah. It's really competitive to get into advertising overall. And then strategy is it's like, even more competitive yes. um, discipline. Yeah. So, all right, here's my journey. So when I was in middle school, my mom got Vanity Fair magazine and the articles are super dense, but I really loved the print ads. And I was like, these are beautiful works of art. And I'd put them on my wall and put them in portfolios. Um, and I really liked commercials. I liked music videos. I liked um, movie trailers. Um, I liked short form video basically, but I didn't have that language yet. Um, but I came from a small town, like I knew three jobs. I knew like law and medicine and the general world of business. So the idea of making ad ads, like I was like, I don't know who does this or how you do this. Like I do movie screenwriters write ads. I have no idea. Um, so it was just kind of like, I like ads, that, that's fine. Went to school for two years undergrad and somebody at lunch said they were studying advertising. And I was like, 
are you fucking kidding me? Like that's a legitimate field of study at a major university. Um, and once I found that out, went straight into the journalism program, concentration in advertising. Two years later, I'm graduating, talked to career services, and I'm like, hey, I'm ready to be a copywriter. <laughs> How do I, where do I get a job? Like, where do I apply? And they, at Chapel Hill, they told me, you need to go to a portfolio school if you want to be a copywriter, um, which is what I thought I wanted to do. Mm. Uh, and I was sort of thinking, well, I don't, you know, I don't have strong, I haven't worked in a full service agency yet. I want to make sure that advertising is really for me and copywriting is really for me um, before I invest the time and the money to go to portfolio school. So that's how I ended up in account management at a regional agency. Um, and account management is pretty, I wouldn't say easy. It's easy to break into, but it's easier um, to break into. Um, yes. A, yeah. I, I agree with you. And it's... Um, it, you know, it was valuable to sort of see all the departments, how they work together. It was valuable in the sense that I saw I did not want to be a copywriter. Um, when we finally hired our first strategist, it was sort of like that nice hybrid of analytical um, and creative thinking brought you closer to the creative process without having to be, you know, I knew I wasn't going to be able to write 100 headlines a day that that or write a good campaign every single day. Um, but strategy was a little bit more cerebral um, and original and creative. So I was like, how do I do this? Like, and how do I do it? Not for regional accounts, like the North Carolina County fair or like the North Carolina fair sure. and aquariums. Like, how do I do it for Pepsi? Like at the time I was like, how do I do a Super Bowl Pepsi spot? Yes. And so she was like, you need to go to portfolio school. Um, so recently, how long were you, how long were you there, uh, as an account manager in that stint that where you realized it's time to go? Um, I was there for three years and I, I like, so I like I oh. the industry of advertising. I actually liked account, okay. um, but knew I had bigger ambitions. Like I wanted to see my work on TV. I wanted what clicked. Like when did that click and when, why did you say, okay, now it's time to go? Why not earlier? What was like at this moment, it's time for Kelly to go to VCU. <sighs> it must have been serendipitous. Like I didn't know what strategy was at the time that I was introduced to it in year three of account management. Um, and the only reason I like, and when she was just describing what she did, like the research, studying people, like studying culture, writing mm -hmm. what the, what the creatives work off of. I was like, that's the job. Like, that's what I want to do. Um, okay. in this industry and it just like kind of, and then I looked at the application on brand center's website and the way they described the strategy and what you should intuitively be interested in i was like oh man that's all the stuff i'm obsessed with <laughs> yes and it just like spoke to my soul like chapel hill didn't have a strategy program so i really didn't know what strategy was until like that third year hmm. so you figured it out and then you it wasn't to that moment when you figured it out and then it was like okay i want to do this let's go do this yep yeah i don't know what my you know maybe i was going to work at that regional agency forever and kind of like in the back of my head be like, man, I wish I was working for agencies that did Pepsi and targets. Right. I have no idea how to break into those agencies, even though I'm in the industry. So you went to brand center for strategy. I think a lot of people go to portfolio school brand center is a master's program. I haven't had, a, um, a, usually I try to get one rep from each portfolio school. I haven't had a VCU yet. So I'm going to need you to connect me with somebody from VCU as well. We'll sure. talk later. But what, I mean, you went into it knowing you wanted to study strategy at VCU or 
that was like the goal. And not a lot of people do that. And that now today it's more common to study strategy at a portfolio school. But so you went in to do that. How was that experience? What sold you on that? It's just the, the, the description that you just mentioned. How was it? Oh man, the best two years of my life. Um, and even filling out the brand center application, like it was just fun. Like, you know, when things are fun and it doesn't even feel like a job necessarily, like, you know, that's right for you. And that's what the application process was like two years at brand center. Um, it's the hardest. It's a two year program, two year program. Yeah. With an internship in the summer. Um, the hard, it's the hardest I've ever worked in my entire life, including my career. Um, really? yeah, they push you hard. What, they worked you or you worked yourself? It's a little bit of both. There's def- They create an atmosphere of competition. Um, oh. High standards. Miami uh, probably does that too pretty well. Yeah. Um, well, it's but- a master's degree, right? Mm-hmm. That's nice. That's another reason I chose Brand Center. I was like, at, at the very least, I know this isn't really applied degree, but at the very least, if I leave advertising don't like advertising i have a master's well i mean if you were going to you know copywriting or or design then yeah maybe a portfolio would be more applicable but if you're looking for that more at the time you were looking for strategy so the master's probably makes more sense definitely yeah but you worked hard and what is that richmond richmond yeah richmond's like this little creative hub in the united states that's just is a powerhouse for advertising. Maybe you should, people should know this. Listeners should know Richmond's a powerhouse, but you got Martin agency, you got arts and letters. I'm pretty sure is like a super creative little spot down there too. And then VCU. And it's like, it's like the Mecca, like get there. If you want to get into strategy or if you want to break in real quick, it's like a little hack. Yeah. Charles Hodges who runs arts and letters is a brand center alumnus. And mm-hmm. I went to his wedding He's a great guy, and I'm so glad that that uh, that his shop is doing so well. Yeah, and Martin yeah. Agency kind of spends off a lot of talent in that area too. Yep, yeah. I mean, I think people are drawn because of Martin Agency and Brand Center, and then they probably stumble into Arts and Letters and some of those other smaller shops there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really similar to the Denver market too. Or there's what so is. Many- yeah. What's what's going on in the Denver market? I'm curious because I know Cactus is an agency. Mm-hmm. That's yeah, the only Cactus. one I know. And Crispin, of course. Yeah. So so Crispin, everyone who leaves Crispin, once they reach a director level or higher, a lot of them go start their own places in the area. So TDL Boulder. Is that one? TDL? Bolt yeah, TDL, I think is one. TDL, yeah. I would say yeah. work in progress is probably doing the strongest work and growing the fastest. Is that who stole um the pizza place, Domino's? Correct. There's another really cool agency, LRXD. They're all positioned around wellness and well-being and like happiness brands. Um, and that's some former that's Crispin, good. Crispin people. Yeah, I really like their positioning. I've freelanced with them a little bit. Happiness? That's. I mean, that's good. I'm yeah, they're known as the health and happiness agency. Hmm. Yeah. but So Denver is similar to Richmond. I believe it. And the, yeah. the creative. Yeah, well, and from an advertising standpoint, like they're this, they were, Martin's a lot bigger now, like yeah. similarly sized famous agencies. Outside so they, of like New York and like the big hubs. Totally. Yeah. Bigger crews, super 
amazing powerhouse, ambitious talent. And when those people leave, you know, they want to start their own thing, have more autonomy. I hope Crispin is doing well. Yeah, thank you. Mm-hmm. There, not that I'm there full time anymore, but I think, well, I think yeah. whoever worked there hopes that it will. Right. As well. Well, I think everybody that thinks Denver or, or Boulder or even Colorado in general a- advertising, that's the, probably the first one that comes to mind. I think Bogusky was like the first rock star creative. Like he kind of set that. And I, who was, I was talking another episode about this. Maybe it was with Jesse and Heather. But yeah, he was like the first like real rock star creative made it into like this like cool lifestyle like that brought attention to to the creative path. Totally. He so when I was in high school, before I knew I could do advertising, there were commercials like the VW Fast, which was just this weird commercial where there there's like this ball in the center console of the VW that's not really part of the car, but all it does is go. And like so for most of the spot, it was just this fast humming like at a low frequency and that was it and it was weird and i was like i love this who makes this yep. and it's crispin and of course then i'm like who runs crispin who runs advertising agencies alex bogusky so when i got to college um i had a picture of alex bogusky on my wall next to my radio head poster like yeah no, like yeah exactly like i'm not surprised because he is like a rock star like like a poster on the wall is not i'm not surprised at all yeah, so that's I so that's how I ended up here. He had just come back and they reached out when I was in LA. Um and they were like, "Hey, Alex is back. We're looking for people in the strategy department." And I was like, I was not looking to leave LA at all, and I didn't know anything about Boulder and Colorado. Like heard good things, but I was like, "Okay, I'm there if I get to work with Alex." Sure. When did how did you get to LA cuz we got, we left off in your in your story that you you did well at Brand Center like what were some of those highlight, like those big monumental moments in your career after, yeah. after that? Yeah. So back to your question on breaking in, like for me, portfolio school is a great gateway um, because you're building network, you're, you're getting really practical hands-on experience. So you hit the ground running um, in your first job. And I talked to this before, I've talked about this with the person who introduced me to strategy before I went to Brand Center. I was, She was like, you could do this without going to portfolio school, but it's going to take you a really long time um, to network yourself into the agencies that you want to work for. Yeah. So anyway, okay, back to the question about how I ended up in LA. Yeah, I was recruited to Shiat. Um, That's cool. Yeah. That's great. Yeah, I thought I was going to end up in New York, but I'm glad it was LA um and vcu got you that or i mean not got you that but that what made that connection that bridged that for you yeah so i mean i was at the top of my class not the top like top four i would yeah. say you're a baller um, so the professors like kind of like people in the come to the professor they're like who's good they're like yeah. here's the top here's the mid-tier blah, blah 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 um but i also had a mentor on a project at brand center my second year on my thesis, um, who worked at Shiat. And I think in working with her, she really advocated for me to um, to work there. How's that building? <sighs> like that's how, that was walking into the building for the first time. I was like, this is what I dreamed of. This what's is what the, advertising would be like. What's the quote? Like dogs are better than humans or something? On that? Yeah, Lee's, um, I always say it wrong. Purina, that was Purina, not pedigree. Was it pedigree? Oh. Pedigree. 
Oh, that was client work? You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, there's a was- big um, pedigree campaign called like Must Love Dogs or For the Love of Dogs. Um, mm. That came out of it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, the Shiat office, I don't know if you've been, there's pictures no, of I it. I haven't. I haven't. Yeah, I've you seen walk, pictures. You walk in and there's like billboards. Um, there's like a park in the middle of it. There's the pirate basketball court. There's a surfboard bar. Um, yeah, it's sort of like what you sort of dream of it when you think of advertising as this sort of playground atmosphere. Yeah, TBWA and then Widen, of course, is like the new biggest hit right now with everybody. I think Widen, Portland. Yeah, Widen's been legendary and the best for a long time, in my opinion. Um, and uh, that's in large part because they've maintained their independence and they're not owned by a holding company. Yeah. Yep. There's there's a lot to be say said about being private. I mean, there's also an argument to be made that you the resources and the togetherness and being able to latch to different strengths in a holding company could be good. Yeah, but for sure. And and odds are, I mean, most agencies are publicly held, and I know a lot are trying to create those kind of collectives um, and pool collective resources across the holding company in smart ways. So yeah, you're totally right. Um, if they can figure out the process, because it's not easy when you have like 50 agencies and all different capabilities and the client wants, you want to like rip apart all these different agencies to meet the needs of one client. That can be when the process is there. I think there's agents, there's companies trying to do that, but still a work in progress hinting to Denver agency. I don't know. <laughs> Shout out the work in progress. Yeah, you're, you're right. And that's, it's a similar sort of issue or bottleneck on really big accounts because a lot of times they have their creative agency, their media agency, their digital agency, their social agency. And you're trying to figure out how to really communicate and make sure, making sure like there's kind of creative continuity or like a master vision. Yeah. Everyone's kind of doing their thing. So, TBWA. So you 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 did you did the TBWA thing. So that was your break in. You broke in because you 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 took some time. You graduated from a great school, great basketball school. Not not this year, but you broke into a good basketball school and a good advertising or journalism school. Then you you tried out the industry. You you were at a place that gave you good experience. You were there for three years, and you don't regret being there for three years, right? No, I think it was good foundational experience. Any longer, any shorter? Right, I, or sweet I spot. Also, I think that it gave me, it also gave me the perspective of how you build relationships with clients. Cause I, and so I, like, I could see how that all worked and how it influenced the way that we did things um, inside the agency. And I think going back to grad school at 25 after three years of experience, I had the maturity, I had mm-hmm. the empathy. And I had like the experience to understand how what I was learning would be applied in an agency. So, you know, maybe one year, two year, um, and I would have been fine at Brand Center. But I'm actually, I don't know, I don't regret three years. Okay. No, oh, yeah, it makes sense. Years either, but what'd you say? I said I, that you know that's not something I'd recommend. Like you have to work for three. No, years. it's for yeah. you. Yeah, everybody's got a different path and. But it's good to know. It's good to benchmark sometimes and 
to to see what works for other people. That's why we have the show. And then you did well at VCU. And then through the grapevine, through your networking and the professors and your hard work, and you were you have that maturity too, which is at the time. Like you you knew what you were doing, you you were focused, you did it. And then you were recommended to probably one of the best agencies in the nation, if not the world. You're so right about maturity. I think, yeah, if you're going to go to a great agency, having that presence, having being able to interview um, in a more mature way, I think definitely helped me. When I talk to students in college right now, even high school students, even middle school students, like I am always blown away by how um, how much presence they have, like self-assuredness, the way that they speak, like, really? Like, yeah, actually. And I would have thought like TikTok and social media ruined the, the youth, but maybe not. I mean, when, when I am thinking about TikTok, like that content is sophisticated. I learned oh, I love so much it. on TikTok and like, we were just posting drunk party pictures on Facebook. Actually, Facebook came out when I was in college, but in high school, it was drunk party picks. But anyway, this is about breaking into advertising. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, so Shia, so this is, you just reminded me of something, I think, um, as I'm thinking about kind of navigating your career and starting your career. Mm -hmm. And again, this isn't something I recommend, but it is something that I think helped. The fact that I started at a fairly, not fairly, a famous agency and just had that on my resume, whether I did good work or not, like it kind of, it, I know it accelerated my career to have that. Yeah, um, a good foundation, a great foundation. The other benefit of going to a big place, um, again, became network. Like I met a lot of people at Shiat that, um, you know, uh, later hired me at different agencies or that I still talk to today and network with today for freelance jobs. Yeah. But I'm also good that I had the reason I left Shiat was to go to a smaller place with smaller clients um, so that I could get digital experience. So like in 2012, like everything was still so TV centric, um, which sounds so weird today. Um, mm -hmm. I was like, okay, eyeballs are going digital. I want to work on accounts that are doing more digital experiential work that doesn't look like traditional advertising. And that's how I ended up at McKinney. Gotcha. Which had national names. And that's where I did, ironically, did... Um, the nationwide Super Bowl spot, but then right. I was on smaller accounts where it was, you know, more non-traditional advertising. Tell us about the the nationwide Super Bowl campaign. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say that that's an amazing spot, but kind of cool that we had Mindy Kaling and Matt Damon. It got some attention. The funniest part about that year at the Super Bowl is nationwide also had that dead kid spot do you remember hold on what it had what <laughs> they were in what, two year? Spots. what um, year gosh it must have been 2013 2014 there's a, a what i think i remember uh, something's going on here so McKinney, I was the strategist on this non uh, or on their cause initiative for the Super Bowl spot until and I, we did like a bunch of exploratory focus groups to inform how we were going to talk about childhood preventable injury and death. Um, and then before we even wrote the brief, before we got into creative development, they took the project and gave it to Ogilvy. 
Okay. Um, we were saying the whole time that we were like childhood preventable injury and death is a heavy topic for the Super Bowl. Are you, yeah. you want to do this? Yeah. And if you do it. We have to do it in a way that's light. Like it has to somehow, it has to be like dumb ways to die. Like we're talking yeah. about the issue, um, but it cannot be a downer nationwide. So they yanked the project, sent it to Ogilvy and made, I don't know why this is. I shouldn't be like gleeful no. over this, but sent it to Ogilvy and then made the dead kid spot and everyone in marketing and nationwide got fired. <laughs> That's bad. That's bad. It is. What's the lesson out of that? I don't want nationwide to hate me. For What's that. the lesson out of this? Don't do a dead kid spot. Yeah. For brands to check their egos and recognize the content or the context of where they're advertising and and really think about the mood of people when they're going to in context that people when people are going to see your work you know i think nationwide was like we got to get the word out there that we're all about this cause thing we do good things in the world what better platform to do that than the super bowl everyone's going to be watching and they'll know that we have this cause um but then just did it in a real culturally unsavvy way well there's a lesson in that and now we know so we're learning and that's what this we is all about clients just kidding cut that out um what about all right so we we talked about your your break-in we talked about a bunch of stuff what if you were to boil down some piece of pieces of advice in the truest form to somebody looking to get into strategy, because that's the goal. If they're listening to this far, they want to get into strategy. To those people listening, what, what's some tangible, actionable items that they can take in their lives to do so? Okay, so um, there's portfolio schools. I won't go into that. You know, like that's like the ticket and the gateway if you have the money and the time. Um, yeah, so it's a shortcut. Yeah, so if you are looking for resources to learn more about planning so that you can speak to more experience and knowledge um, when you're interviewing or looking for jobs. Um, Dan Carlton has a course called Planner You on Teachable. Um, it's fantastic. I love the way he talks about it. And he's talking about like how to write briefs. So like pretty- What's it called? Planner You. Never heard of that. Um, yeah, on Teachable. Nice. And I think, I, yeah, sorry, it came last minute, but I sent you- I just sent you the link to see. Yeah, yeah. Keep going. What what else? Uh, list it out. I mean, you, you don't have to list it. I'm going to post that. But any other things that you, like you follow that you or just like you know advice for the students? Yeah, I think taking any relevant classes on general assembly could help too. And they don't have brand strategy or creative communication strategies specifically, but you can take things like um, digital analytics. Um, I think there's social media strategy. So it's just sort of building out i mean that would illustrate that you are very interested in the industry and and you're trying to acquire skills it gives you if you want to be a creative communication or brand strategist it gives you more tools in your toolkit so to speak yeah um, which are important. yeah you're more of a lateral planner um things that i follow that are free cassandra report is great for just trends reporting and audience trends reporting um, the drum, if you don't want to subscribe to Ad Age. Um, I would also recommend if you're interested, maybe this turns into networking opportunities, but I'm thinking of it more for exposure to what's happening in the industry. You can follow influential planners on social media. So 
Um, and the way to find influential planners in the industry, I would say, is like look at the judges of the Jay Shiat Awards, of the oh, F Awards, or look at you know 40 under 40 lists and who's in planning, 30 under 30. Um, and then just start seeing, you know, what are they talking about? On what are they interested in? Even if go on Twitter. For if sure. you can get get in the Twitter advertising world, and that's just by following those people, and then they'll it'll start the algorithm will work itself, and you'll be in that cultural context, which is pretty funny too, because they're pretty uncensored in Twitter. Like people are like they crack totally. me up. Um, and then people, you might've already heard all the resources that I've listed and I'm sure everyone has said this, but, um, your network, like as soon as you know, you know, one person always at, you know, if you're reaching out to say like, Hey, can you tell me more about strategy and what you do? What's a day in life? Um, always ask like, is there anyone else I can talk to to learn more? Yes. That's, that's, I don't think that might not be ever have been laid out before on this show is cool. the ask at the end to who else you got who else yeah. can i talk to learn more that's just like at bat opportunities to put your face and your voice in front of people and and maybe you know it's just more at bats to get in oh, somewhere. i like that yeah and you keep it going yeah because there are so many blind applications to agencies like it really is you really do kind of need to know someone or have talked to someone yes yes if you could do that earlier, that helps, but not just when the job application opens. Yeah. Yeah. And then there's always, you know, the, the, the possibility to start an account management or media and try to move over. I see, I haven't seen that work. Um, as I've never seen it happen. What do you mean? Uh, in my experience, I've never seen anyone move from account management or media to creative communication strategy. I know. It How do you? How, what do you mean? That's how I envision everybody does it. So it doesn't like. No, it's like someone, some lucky kid out of college gets a junior job and goes from there because they're an all-star um, or they come out of portfolio schools or it's um, someone who's been mentored by, you know, they've been mentored through college and strategy and that person knows the head of strategy. And so they get a huh. junior job. Um, it's not that it doesn't happen. I yeah. I've just never. What do you mean? I get it all the time. I, what I do, I, I'll go up to the strategist in my company and be like, hey, I want to learn more. If you have any briefs or anything you need help with, she's like, yeah, I'll put you on. And then I don't follow up. And that's my fault. But if I follow up, I'm sure maybe there's some opportunities, even being in an account side. You're saying that's not uh, kosher, that maybe that doesn't happen that often? No, you're doing the smart thing. And what I would recommend if you're trying to do that. Mm -hmm. um it, it just asking like going way above and beyond just mm -hmm. to help or just to ask to listen like can i listen to how you guys develop this brief can i mm -hmm. can i listen to how you're thinking about developing this discussion guide or can i listen to the creative review um and yeah i think that would sort of be the way in hmm. the subtle way in what about switching a job that, to a strategy job what if you try to apply to a new one like from a different industry no, no, from account, from account or um, a creative role. Could you apply with that knowledge that you have at, you know, you're either account or creative Can you apply to another agency that's uh, like a strategist position opening? Yeah, it's just hard, hmm. you know, because you don't have the experience. It's like this little niche, little bubble within advertising, which is already hard to get into. Yeah, because I think we're looking, it's it's hard. Yeah, it's the. I think it's so hard to break into without going to portfolio school, honestly, because we're looking for people with experience for the most part. 
and that's so unfair like and we but at the same time like we don't want lemmings from these portfolio programs either that are mm -hmm. like, they only know like one way to do things um so yeah it's yeah it sucks it's it is this weird discipline to get into so portfolio school is your main recommendation it is yeah and that's why um i'm passionate about the denver odd schools program which um, you run which i run. yeah which i which i developed <laughs> for better or worse uh, <laughs> but I, I did it i felt like i could do it um I, I raised my hand and volunteered to do it because i felt like i had that model from brand center um so it's very much based on the brand center program um yeah. but the reason i'm passionate about it is because there's really there's brand center and there's the Denver ad school um and before that there was really only brand center like creative circus miami ad schools programs are a little um subpar um although those are fine places hot, to go. hot take we love it on this podcast you know speak the truth i don't know that the industry looks at those programs as being top notch okay. uh, definitely vcu definitely vcu but you're now you're making your claim towards denver ad school so Go no, ahead. well, I'm what the way I look at it because I love Brand Center and I will I will recommend Brand Center as hard as I recommend the Denver Ad School. Sure. Um, what I what I think about it as is like a lot of advertising sucks, right? Um, and is terrible. So I think about it. I think about like how do we get more inspired, bright minds into strategy. Um, so that we can help influence better advertising. Not that creatives need that, like, but clients need um, clients need smart strategists to sell the work too. Sure. So it's really it's just an it's an entry point. Like you only have twenty students a year at the Brand Center. Like this is another entry point for students to um, really sharpen their skills, get some work down on paper, get the network, um, and make connections with agencies and get get great jobs and ideally, you know, ideally kill it at those jobs. Cause truly um, I think the better strategy departments are, the better the work ultimately is. That's a great point. That's a great point. And um, not all these portfolio schools have sound strategy um, built in yet, or they're not that great, but you're making your claim for Denver. So, and you, because you built it, so you better stand by it. <laughs> it's a good our teachers are awesome like we have teachers from widen we have teacher the culture professor um worked at vice for a long time um there's teachers from innovation consultancies as much as possible we're bringing in um lecturers or people to field projects and assignments from various agencies so there's network and yep. in, in that way too yep. and by the time students are listening to this they will the denver ad school podcast will be available it's already up. So go listen to that if you haven't. Cool. Nice. All right. Cool, Kelly. That's all I got. You've done a great job. Um, is there anything else you want to say to the audience before we we end it here? No, it was so fun talking to you. Well, um, thank you for yeah, coming on. Can reach out. I'm happy to answer questions or talk oh, about Oh, yeah. LinkedIn, okay. What's your preferred method of uh, if they want to connect and learn more about yourself or the industry or Denver at school? LinkedIn's great. Then I will post that. Go to our Instagram at entering ad. You'll see it in the bio. All is good. Kelly, great job again. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me.
thank you all for listening to this entire episode of the Breaking and Entering Advertising Podcast. I hope you enjoyed this week's guest. Make sure you go and connect with them on LinkedIn. Tell them that Breaking and Entering sent you. Now, thank you to Mikey Malarkey, our audio technician, and Buchan Zhang, our creative director, as well as the student team from the Midnight Oil Agency at the University of Illinois. Can't do it without you all. Thank you very much. We will see you all next week with another amazing guest.